Blog Talk Radio. I need is one mic, one beat, one stage, one nigga front, my face on the front page, only if I had one gun, one girl and one crib, one God to show me how to do things his son did, pure, like a cup of virgin blood, mixed with 151, one sip will make a nigga flip, writing names on my hollow tips, plotting shit, mad violence, who I'm gon' body, this hood politics, acknowledge it, leave bodies chopped up in garbage, seeds watch us, grow up and try to follow us, police watch us, roll up and try knocking us, one knee I up. Could it be my time is up? With my luck, I got up. The cops shot again. Bus stop glass burst. A fiend drops his Heineken. Ricocheting between the spots that I'm hiding in. Blacking out. I shoot back. Fuck getting hit. This is my hood. I'm a rat to the death of it. To everybody, come on. Little niggas is grown. Hood rats. Don't abortion your wound. We need more warriors soon. Shit from the stars, sun and the moon. And it's like a police chase. The street sweepers and coppers. Sick up kids with no conscience. Leaving victims with doctors. If you really think you're ready to die, we're not. Out. This is what is about. Niggas, the time is now. One mic, one mic, one mic. All power to the people. Yeah, I'm, I'm on. I, I also have control of the board, so just letting you know for the all power to the oppressed people, African power to an African people, and black power. This is your brother. Host, um, Chairman, National Chairman Yang and Kuma, People's Black Panther Party for Self Determination. Doing a little something different. We're coming today on a Thursday. Well, we usually hit you with Wednesday. Um, we got busy, but the my central felt like that we should practice and exercise. This is an exercise in consistency and bringing a message and prayerfully. Prayerfully, we have a um, young brother on, a, a young phenom. I like to call him coming on, who will be co-hosting with me today, and uh, this will be his debut, so we're looking forward to that. So, like always, man, greet everyone in peace, greet everyone with um, all powers to oppress people, and this is uh, People's Black Panther Party, Independence Blacks Talk Radio, Blog Talk Radio. This is your program, an opportunity to express your concerns, your opinions, critique citizens, what we put our minds together and try to come up and formulate some type of solution to the problems that we face as Africans in hate black people. The top black people. This topic here we have was uh young the young brother. We were briefly we were talking about and discussing the things that are taking place in St. Louis which is just a recurrence. And what really shocked me was that in St. Louis, this is the same place that we had the Mike Brown, where Mike Brown, the young brother Mike Brown, was assassinated. And we see the same thing happening here that has happened here. And this police officer has been acquitted. You know, of course, we know the color scheme of it. We know the ethnicities involved in the shooting. White police officer, black young man, uh, the police had, the police officer has been of the shooting, and St. Louis is in an upheaval. It's in it's uprising. So 
it, it it left to the question, man, does America hate black people? Why do we constantly see this type of behavior perpetrated against us on regular? It is like it is systematically systematic targeting. It is systematically eradicating and eliminating black people, African people here in America. So it, 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 it makes you have to wonder. You know, now I know we would have those on the side of America saying we've made great advancements. We've come a long way since um the myop, since the transatlantic slave trade, since Jim Crow, since um uh segregation and all the other things that plagued America or steeps America in its racist history. But you know, with these, have we advanced or has the racism and discrimination, the oppression and exploitation, the and killing of black people, not no longer, is it no longer as overt? Is it more covert now? Have we really advanced or have they become techniques of those things I just said? Murder. Mayhem towards, and it, you know, you hear people say you can't blame the white man. You know, it isn't white man's So is it? It's not about blaming the white man. And this is why I ask: Does uh, America hate black people? Because it's not about blaming the white man. But then we must begin to look at the system that embolds and empowers people to behave in such a manner towards the African inhabitants of America, the Africans here in America. So that's the question, you know, does it hate, um, does America hate black people? I think this is our brother Light. We're on now, 646-3979. Is that you, Mr. Light? Black Power, sir, Black Power. Can you hear me? This is Brother Light, also known as QP. Um, yeah, I just tuned in. Okay, excellent, so, excellent. Does America hate black people? Yeah. The topic for the day, we're looking at, and I was I was going over the discussion you and I shared briefly about what was taking place in in St. Louis. I see that this is a, this is a, a constant, you know, um, that is affecting black people here. I mean, it's it's amazing that St. Louis being the place where the assassination of Mike Brown, but not just in St. Louis, we look all over the world. We look all over the United States. We find the same thing being perpetrated against people of color and particularly, specifically, people of African descent here in America. So it leaves you wonder, you know, and I was saying that we can't just say, you, you say, well, it isn't just a white man. Say on the program that it's not about the white visually, it's not about that um, white me a white neighbor, but we're talking about a white supremacist system or a system that ensures and guarantees or encourages and promotes white entitlement and white privilege. And it doesn't have to be, and the system is so thorough, the system of America is so thorough that it is even being implemented by people above the other. As they come over here. You, I'm sorry, say it again. I said as they come over here, yeah, they they fall as they come over here. And they start mistreating yes, us as well. I yes, agree sir. with you, brother, because America really was not built for black people. This was supposed to be a white country. They wanted to box on black people out. I always agree with the um separate but equal. 
we have our own communities, and we operate with the outside world as we need to be. But America was not built for us. This is not our country. And I don't think for it to be our country, it's going to take a couple couple more hundreds of years. I don't think we're going to see that change in the next 50 years. I totally agree. I totally agree with that, especially on the current, especially on the current course that we're taking. I think that if we really start looking for, I think integration was a farce. I think it did more in the way of harming us than helping us, helping our cause and advancing our cause. Though I'm not an advocate, I'm like you, Minister Light, I'm not an advocate of segregation. I think that the masses of people, that the people must know what segregation is. Segregation is when a people place you, those people who are allegedly or supposedly in charge, yeah. you, um, in an area, and they control all the resources. So we're not advocating segregation, but separation, complete and total separation. When the Af- when the people here of African descent, when Africans here in America begin to understand that we are a nationality, if nothing for the shared factor or the shared experience of the Maafa, the transatlantic slave trade, and those experiences that came with that as we landed on the shores of North America, that that in itself is imperative that we pull together. And to go back what you were saying, brother, and to have you come in on this, um, you know, that America was not founded on uh, equality for all. And I think that that's what the masses really have the nose of African descent, African people in America must really understand, get through their heads, that the very founding of America was equality. Absolutely. Like I said, you know, I talk about building a house and the foundation of the house. If you build a house on the graveyard, I don't care what the house looks like, what color you paint the walls, how the shutters or the roof are shaped and formed. The house, the foundation of the house. Well, brother, why don't you go into a little bit of what America was founded on and how that translates and how that looks for the black man and the black woman here in America? Well, um, America was formed, like I said, it was formed for white people. The black and the Indians was excluded. This was the Native Americans' land, and they was not included in the Constitution. White America dealt with the Indians or the Native Americans via treaty because the Native Americans, they had their own nation. So they were never included in white America. As for us, of the African diaspora, we were supposed to build our own nation as well. We were never included in the white American nation. All the rules, all the laws, all the riches that they had, um, they had gained from colonization and the African slave trade, it was meant for their children and their grandchildren and their great-grandchildren. It was never meant for the African man. Never meant for the African woman. So we um we wanna we wanna we wanna march and we wanna affect policy, but first we have to understand that the whole system was not created for us. It was created to keep us in a permanent underclass. Therefore we are um commodity to the, to white America basically. And this is not for every single individual, but for the system as a whole. To white America as a system, every black individual is a commodity. So That's right. I think that, it, and it's interesting to think, like you were saying, that, but, you know, for us to understand what it was based on, too many times the African here in America becomes um, disillusioned. You know, not disillusioned, becomes illusioned, illusional. You know, they really begin to buy into the so-called American dream. They really begin to buy into this, the speeches and the spills of equality of um, you can do it, 
if you participate, and the system wasn't designed for that. The very fact that we were made a commodity, the very fact that we were brought over here and looked at as commodity means that the, they have a assigned place for the African here in America. So we understand the problem. I, I think that, you know, a lot of us, we hear, I hear him say, we're Chairman Yanga. We understand the problem. We understand the problem. So since we understand the problem and we hear the problem, then let us start to begin to examine some solutions to the problem. And this is what the call is at. There again, this is the People's Black Panther Party Radio for self determination People's Black Panther Party for Self-Determination, Blog Talk Radio, Independence Black Radio. We're discussing, does America hate black people? I'm your host, Chairman Yang Nath, Yang and Kuma. Got my um, co-host on, Brother Minister, Brother Minister White, also known as Q, as he said, man, and an opportunity for you to share your comments, critiques, criticisms, or opinions on this, does America hate black people? And what are some of the, and, and we can discuss some of the problems, but what are some of the solutions? Minister Light, I, well, let's, you know what, I'm defer to you. Let's go to you and let's open your mic. Is it, what would be some of the solutions um, well, that you think of that we could start addressing some of these ills, some of these social ills that affect us? Um, first, I wanted to go back to what you said um they came over here, but we wanted the American dream. We get stuck with the illusion, but we failed to realize that we are part of the American dream. I can't remember who said this, what activist said this, but they said they came over there, you take the Indians' land, and then you use the Africans' free labor. That is the American dream, free land and free labor, and then you build what you want to build. But um, Going back to problems and solutions, I'm actually have a list of problems, and then we, can, we together can work towards solutions. So I'm going to tell you a couple of the problems. Inadequate transportation, inadequate housing, police brutality, inadequate and fabricated food, poisoned water supply, international threats, and the lack of jobs. Those are some of our main problems. Would you agree, Brother Younger? I would agree, but I'd like for you, you know, for our listeners and for those people that are coming in, a lot of people are just being introduced into self-determination, self-sufficiency, revolutionary politics, and revolutionary understanding. Let's break those problems down one more. Let's start with that um, lack of transportation, exactly, you know, what it means and go a little bit into it. So I, I live in New York City right now, right, and the main transportation is the MTA. The MTA, they raise the prices pretty much um, bi-yearly or bi-annually. They raise the prices, but people still can't get to work on time. They get stuck in the subway for over an hour. But yet the city government, the state government, and the federal government continues to take taxes out of our checks. So transportation, we need to fund our own transportation units. When the MTA was first founded, it was founded by two private companies, and then the government took control over it and made it a, a quasi government private owned company, but we can do this as well. People who have SUVs or vans, they can start operating like the dollar van and um in Jamaica at the end of Queens, not the end of Brooklyn. They can start going to each bus stop and they can pick people up for for about two dollars and just go along that bus route. These that's just one of the things that we could do for transportation. Um people who have who have cars, they could do this as well. And what do you think, Brother Younger? That's a good idea, but you know what? <clears throat> when I was up there, I forget where we were. Minister Justice, where were we? Was that Jersey or New York? Where we saw the people that had the had their own little buses or something? Justice, well, 
she may not be on the line. But um, I, 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 I saw where they had their own little uh, buses. But I, I agree. It has to be some way. So how do you address that? Who do you go to? <clears throat> Excuse me. How do you begin to take that stuff? And is it is it, you know, I know it would be more, I know it would be advantageous or more advantageous for African people to have their own. But is that feasible? Is it feasible for us to have our own? Most definitely it's feasible for us to have their own because you can look at the past for the perfect example. Before we came from Africa, did we have our own? We did, right? We had kingdoms and nations, even though they told yeah. us that we didn't. We had adequate water supplies, right? We had functioning political systems, functioning agriculture that could feed thousands of people. Am I correct? Absolutely. I'm sorry. My phone was absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So is, is it feasible now? Of course it's feasible now. Like I said, you can start in small units. You don't have to start with the whole city that you're in. Start with the um, the small neighborhood that you're in, uh, five, ten blocks. You start there. Go to the big mama or big papa of the community. Um, Have them give you some contact to people who have trucks that don't really work that much. Um, You can go to the, the big community centers in your neighborhood, talk to people that come in and work with them. Like I said, it's a small project. Just start the small project, and as time goes on, just make the project bigger. Start, start pulling out for your LLC papers or your not-for-profit papers and just make the, um, the company bigger. Then you meet up with your friends in the next neighborhood, and y'all do the same mm-hmm. thing. It's not, it's not something that's going to happen overnight, but it's pretty much it's, it's really possible. Right, right. It sounds like it's possible, and it's actually a wonderful idea. It's just something as simple as committing yourself and beginning on uh, us as a people. Listen, my people, the, the young brothers coming up with some excellent ideas, and it's so simple. I think that that's what frightens us. A lot of times we think that since the problem looks so big, since it looks so complex and complicated, that when our, our people come up with these practical solutions, we say, I can't possibly work. But, I mean, it is a very practical solution that just takes a little effort and a little unity to get together, and it definitely can work for us and can alleviate the transportation issue. Let's go to the next the next problem that you had on your list, which was um, – Hold on, Brother Yenga. We actually have a, a young brother here. He wants to say hi to everybody. Okay. Hey, hey young brother. Hey. Hey, say what's your name? Which, My name is yeah, Bashir. Bashir. How are you, Bashir? Well, we're glad that you're listening in. And definitely glad that you spoke to us, took the time out of your busy day to speak to all the people listening in. You're welcome. Okay, brother, the, um, the next problem was housing, inadequate housing. Okay. Um, so let's, yeah, let's just, let's go yeah. in depth a little bit about the housing. Well, We've been we've been depending on the government for housing for a while. Some people own their own apartments. Some people own their own housing. But then we still have other problems. We need to buy our own land, and we need to start building our own communities. And in the towns, the counties, the cities where the majority is black basically take over that whole area. And we need to work with people. We have black people that are carpenters, black people that work with electrical on wire, and we have black people that work with mechanics. We have all the tools we need. All we have to do is bring it together and work together as a unit. So there's problems going on in your um, in your home, and you can't fix it. You should go look at we have black un on black unions, don't we? 
black unions that deal with plumbing and electrical and um electric, yeah, electrical work and mechanic and uh-huh. carpentry. So these are mm-hmm. all things that we could basically utilize. Okay. Okay. You have people that don't have housing, they get kicked out of the housing from their um from their family members or whatever, or their friends. They don't have any place to go. He's trying to get into the shelter system. But if somebody buys land, they could build a nice little sustainable apartment on that land and start inviting people in. You know what I'm saying? You could build a culture yeah. like this. You could continue to spread. And like I said, this is not have to, this doesn't have to happen in one place. This can happen in multiple places across the country. Mhm. Right. Simultaneously. Okay. I love it. Absolutely. What was our What was our third issue that we were? Third issue was policing and police brutality. That's a big one. Maybe you should start with this one, the younger. I'm sorry. But maybe you should start with this one. Um, man, it's a huge one, and I love the I love the list because you know when you listen to the list and those listeners out there who have heard us before and are familiar with the party understands that this list is you know some of our principles from um our, our ten point platform and program are the People's Black Panther Party for Self Determination. One of the things when we talk about policing and accountable policing, there are so many ways to address it, so many ways to go about it. You know, first and foremost, like I said, I must you know there again say. And we are revolutionary. We advocate and support complete and total separation that the African here, the African man and woman here in America must have their own. But we know that the journey of a thousand miles starts with one footstep. So for those people who say, oh, you, you, you guys are sounding like reformists, far from it. But you can't separate a system without first um, understanding how that one of my mentors said, um, you know, participating in the political process to a degree will not only educate your people into how politics work, but it will begin to um, um, flex that. It will begin to exercise and strengthen that activist muscle, that revolutionary muscle. It will begin to train them not just how, like you said, not just how politics work, but how to move and maneuver within the politics. So one of the things I say about when we talk about policing, One of the things I've always said, a first basic step is know the police that patrol your community. Know the police that patrol your community. You have an armed individual riding around in your community. I don't give a damn if he has a badge on. If any person was in your community, if you stepped out of your door and saw two brothers or anybody, two white men, anybody, sitting in the car with a pistol, you would call the police. You would notify the police. You would want to know who these individuals are sitting outside your house, riding around your neighborhood with guns. Same thing for the police. Know the police. Know that individual by name. Know when they clock in and when they clock off. Hey, Officer Johnson, I know you. I know you from two to five or whatever. That's the first thing. To know the um, individual police, know your precinct captains. Know to have a list. Somebody in the neighborhood must have a list of the, the officers, the high up, the captain, um, the um, what do they call the guy, minister um, that's over the police, the um, chief, whatever, superintendent, I, I don't know what they call I'm sorry. In my city, it's called um, the commissioner. Yeah, the commissioner. The commissioner, and know these particular um, officers in your wards, not just the police commissioner over all the police, but is the commissioner the one over the precinct too? Not over each individual precinct. 
Okay, I'm talking about every neighborhood. Yeah, every neighborhood should know the precinct captain, the lieutenants, the people that you call on that you demand answers for. Not that you're asking answers of, but that you demand. So if that officer that you know in your community gets out of line, you can go directly there. Find out if your city has a citizen's review board. You used to host the show, I co-host the show with my brother, my minister of information down here, Black Sun. And the show was called The Arena. And we had Dr. Lee on who was over the Citizens Review Board in Atlanta because of the protests and clamor. We said we need a Citizens Review Board. Find out if your city has a Citizens Review Board. You know, and if they don't, then get together and find out how you can begin to get a Citizens Review Board going. Some type of citizens uh, group or participation that the police must be accountable for, that the police must be accountable for, not accountable to, and must come and address and answer, answer your concerns and your questions. First and foremost, the community has to come together. We have to stop allowing these to be isolated incidents. They kill one black man here, one black man there. They're uprising in St. Louis, and we see them do it in St. Louis. Now they're doing it here. They have to stop being isolated incidents. We have to say that this is systematic, that we are being targeted, deliberately targeted. We must jump on, provide, I would say, for those progressive groups out there, those revolutionary groups, to go around and to galvanize and to mobilize the community around that, talk to them, find out their issues with the police. And then begin to address that, educate them on not just their rights, but um, going in and discussing, talking to the police. Once you know the community has your back. See, all of them may not be equipped to, to talk to the police either out of intimidation or not just knowing what to say to the police in a manner that it won't escalate or they won't be incarcerated when it's not time for escalation. But go and be, as long as you know they have your back, go be that representative. Go be that voice. But whatever you do, it has to be something that holds them to accountability. For far too long, they feel like there is no accountability. That would be the first thing. Secondly, I say what I would do on a national scale, what I'd like to see a policy, this is just me, when the police murder us and they sue the state, I think the state shouldn't have to pay you know, the state ends up paying that, or the city ends up paying that $9 million or however many million, which is actually taxpayer dollars. So you've paid for this police to murder one of your own. I think they should snatch everything from that pig. I think it should come personally out of his pocket. It shouldn't be taxpayer dollars paying for the murder and the death of a member of your community. It should be him. He should be personally sued. He should, he should be like O.J. They should take everything from him. And that would be one of the things, if I had talked to a politician or a policymaker or whatever, that would be one of the things that I push. So those those would be some of my some, some of the th- ways that I would address it, Minister Light. All right. Um, yeah, with the police, what you were saying about the Citizens Review Board, that's very true. I know in our neighborhood and um, pretty much in the Bronx throughout the whole city, we had the the Pretense Advisory Council, and they meet, I think, once every month or once every two months. But these meetings should be taking place um, throughout the nation. They probably have different names because of the different um, constitutions of that state. But each county should have their own Citizens Review Board or Pretense Advisory Council. So make sure some of the individuals in your neighborhood are going to that meeting on trying to relay the information to the rest of the public. Um, They also have different 
different other kind of meetings for other kind of groups within your community as well. The police usually show up at your community board meetings, at your church's advisory on board meetings. So make sure you stay you stay involved. I know you're probably working. You probably have a um, nine to five, but as much as you can, try to get out there as much as possible. Also, absolutely. our culture. Absolutely. Yeah, brother. No, I was just saying absolutely. I wanted to jump in there, you know, because a nine to five shouldn't be an excuse for your survival. It's your life. Exactly. A nine to five, you know, a nine to five shouldn't be an excuse. If that's the bare minimum, the, the bare minimum, minimum. If we're just asking to be involved with your survival, a nine of a job shouldn't be a deterrent or the reason or the excuse you use, anyone uses, not to be involved with that, to go sit in somewhere to hear why these police are behaving the way that they're behaving. You know, we got to get that capitalistic mindset out of our, our minds, man. Our survival is much more important than working for them. We got to start building our own so we won't be so stressed out about that nine to five as well. But, um, also, with the policing, our culture, our neighborhood, we have to change our culture. So much so that you take it back to um, the Black Panther Party when they was policed in the neighborhood and people wasn't allowed to sell drugs over there. You understand? You got to make sure the drug flow is slowing down in your neighborhood. You got to make sure the violent crimes are slowing down in your neighborhood. And you got you to gotta be the foot patrol. You got to make sure the cops can't come in your neighborhood to beat up on your youth and beat up on your people. You have to start policing yourself. I, for one, I don't believe in the police. The police started from the overseers of the slave plantation. They're still the overseers of the slave plantation. Your neighborhood is a small market. Your neighborhood is a small plantation. And all they want to do is suck the resources out of your neighborhood and give it to their seed. The police are basically there to ensure that. And since you don't go to any of the meetings, or go to talk to your elected officials, or go to talk to your the police, or even try to become the elected officials and the police, this is not going to change. So that's a major part of our policing. Yeah. Brother Yang, you want to say yeah. anything else about policing? Uh, no, I agree with you, man. And like what you said about community policing, that we have to we have to police our own, and we have to get out of this because we're in a quagmire. We got this no-snitch policy. Which is totally understandable. I think one of our ten point platform programs is that we we want to enter the collaboration and cooperation with the police. But coming that program, um, um, when that was written, or standing on that principle means that you're willing to step up and take control of your community. So you can't have a no snitching policy. You know, man, don't snitch, don't snitch. But you letting bandits and thugs and renegades run through your community. You know, so we we have to we have to step up. And we have to take control of our community, and that's what the policing means—not to be the police, but and 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 that's what, and I want to stress that and emphasize that because policing, when we say police in our community, police to me has a bad connotation. You know, it's it's because of the because of the behavior of the history. But when we say policing our community, we mean actually taking control of our community, standing up when it's time to stand up, preventing those things that are harmful for the community, educating the community, feeding the community, rebuilding the community, being an active contributing member of your community. That's what I mean by policing. It goes so much more than just walking around hitting brothers over the head because he's selling dope, but actually Absolutely. educating and informing 
and trying to and establishing and working together with Kawhi because you know we do believe uh, for my brothers and sisters out there listening and then Gulls Asaba, so cooperative economics being one of them, begin to come together and unify to create economic opportunities so that we can eventually eradicate the need or the so-called excuse for our brothers and sisters to sell poison to our people. You know, so there's a whole, you know, it's just basically making it a community again, being a participant and contributing to the overall um, goodness of the community. You're right, Brother Inga. Absolutely right. Um, you want to go to the next point? Yes, sir. Yes, sir, please. Um, the next point was inadequate food supply. No, inadequate food or inadequate food supply. And so right now, you know, a lot of black people, when they wake up in the morning, the first thing they eat is cereal. What is cereal? It's nothing but sugar. It's packed with corn syrup and high fructose. It may taste good. It may say that I have good things inside the bag, but it does not really have good things inside the bag. That's more ways to kill us, more ways leading to high blood pressure and diabetes. You go to lunch, and you got fast food on every corner, all different kinds of fast food. You got the chicken spots. You got the McDonald's, the, um, the Burger King, all this junk food, more stuff meant to kill us, give us tumors, and most of this food is not even real. They started cloning food about a decade or two ago called genetically modified organisms. These are the food that we're eating. We're, we're eating cloned food, food that was designed in a lab, synthetic food. It's like, like you're eating plastic. So we have to get back into the habit of growing our own food, like our ancestors did. Now, this may be harder for some of you, but I'm going to give you some good ways to start. First, you have your apartment, right? Find a window where you get enough sunlight. You can start planting small things there. Maybe tomatoes or strawberries, you could start planting a small thing there. Secondly, like we were talking about the, um, the precinct advisory board and going to the elected official meeting and your community board meetings, you have to go to these meetings when you can and meet the right type of people, the people that are on the parks and recreation um, committee, the people that are on the building and economic committee. You have to meet with these people, and you have to suggest, and I mean firmly suggest, you get a couple of your tenants and a couple of your neighbors to support you, and you firmly suggest you put in greenhouses on top of your roofs. We have all of these roofs in the city, right, and they're not utilized. You go to the roof, there's an alarm on the roof. Nobody can go to the roof. Only thing on the roof is your HVAC, the heat and the air conditioner. That's the only thing. People can walk up there. We need to utilize those. Start um, start um. Talking to your elected officials and getting greenhouses put on your roof. Greenhouses so you can grow all types of fruits and vegetables throughout any season in the greenhouse. Um, fruits and vegetables, you could give these out to the youth. You could give these out to the elderly. This is better for your atmosphere. It's, it's good food for you to eat. That's real. Make sure you don't get GMO um, yeah, GMO seeds. Make sure you get real organic seeds, and you start that. And you can start putting that on most of the buildings. And then you have the parks and recreations. You have little corners that people, that the city needs to be used. And they will offer these corners up to the public first. I think it's called a community garden. Right, Brother Younger? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So, so the community gardens, um, go, go to the parks and the recreation committee, um, look at the community gardens or the spaces that's available to be triggered to a community garden in your neighborhood. And, like, the same thing, build a, you could build a nice greenhouse 
Um, you could get the funds from the elected official because they get a certain budget from the city and they have to spend the budget in their community. So make sure you speak to them before the fiscal year. The fiscal year. All this information is on the um, on the computer. All you have to do is look it up. Get like two or three friends with you, two or three neighbors, and start going to work. Put greenhouses on your roofs. Um, build community gardens. Start giving out fruits and vegetables and change your whole, change your whole um, lifestyle. And as well, when you own these community boards and these advisory councils, they determine the type of businesses that could be placed in your community. So if certain restaurants and certain grocery stores come in the community, you have the option to, um, I guess you would say, um, rally them and tell them the type of ingredients that you want. Um, into your community. So this is a way that you can start to change the food sources in your community. You can start growing your own little thing in your window. You can start petitioning your elected officials for greenhouses on your roofs. You can start petitioning the um, elected officials in the Parks and Recreation Committee for little community gardens, and you can start giving out fruits and vegetables to the kids. They walking around eating all this candy, eating chocolate um, chocolate bars for, for lunch and dinner. These are things that we have to do as black people. We, our, our high blood pressure rate is too high. The diabetes rate yeah. is too high. The obesity rate is too high. This is because of the food that we eat. Yeah. So that's that's yeah. pretty much what I have to say on there, Brother Yang. Absolutely. What about you? Absolutely. Um, and, and, and I agree with you. You know, and that's why education is so important. That's why I advocate people to have feeding programs. And the feeding programs, you know, I see a lot of the parties out here, and this is not knocking them. They have feed the homeless, and that's cool. The homeless people need to eat. But feeding programs based on community participation for, for a couple reasons. One, um, because you know those those people that aren't eating healthy at least once a week, once a month, whenever your program is, that the people will have the basic essentials, the basic food groups. They will have the essentials. They have the proper nutrition. I believe in educating. At your feeding programs, have a chart. Have a nutrition chart. A lot of time, you know, I believe in the old adage: when people know better, they do better. You know, this is the point. This is the importance of self-sufficiency and self-determination. When you rely on other people to take care of you, you even rely on those people to feed you and to take care of your health. You, I mean, mm-hmm. we have really lost our mind to the extent that we won't even monitor our own health. How many of us have hypertension, sugar, diabetes? high blood pressure and all these other things, and we don't find out until it's too late, until we're having strokes, until we're having major headaches, because we don't regulate. There again, to go back to the 10-point platform and principle, we want health care, not just preventive health care, but we want a health care with maintenance. And in order to, de- to demand health care and to demand um, health care with maintenance, you must first begin to maintain yourself. You have to first know what you want. You have to first know what's good for your body, what isn't good for your body. So education is very important. I agree wholeheartedly with Minister Light. I don't know how many times I have seen my children being diagnosed with ADHD or whatever, anti, you know, the, what is it? But, um, ADHD? Yeah. I don't know how many times I've seen our children diagnosed. They're bouncing off the walls. They say, you better give them this, calm them down. But when you trace it back, it's like what the brother said. Before we went to school, little Johnny had sugar problems, Pop-Tarts, yum-yum, yip-yaps. He had a bowl of sugar. Of course, he or she is bouncing off the walls. It is, I'm telling you, 
It is something that simple as watching their diet. But there again, when you're not a self-sufficient people, when you're dependent on other people, you don't know what to feed your seed. So you feed your seed all of this sugar. They go to school to bounce off the wall. You say you don't know what's going on, but they say we got some for them. It's called Ritalin, Prozac. We can give them something to help them with that. So now he's on prescriptions and now he's on drugs. And it could have all started with a healthy, proper diet. And I'm not knocking on people, but because we don't know. But that's not an excuse when the... Um, information, you have accessibility, you have access to that information. And those of us out there that are in progressive revolutionary groups or any progressive groups, it is our job, regardless of how thankless it is, how tiring it may become, how much you have to uh, persevere, how much fortitude you have to have, it is our job to get out and educate the masses. That is the job of the revolutionary. So I, I would advise those brothers and sisters out there, and especially those chapters and the people's Black Panther Party for Self-Determination, that when you have your classes and, or when you begin to recruit, begin to look for a minister of health. Begin to look for people that you can build that health department, nutritionists, and things of that nature, because that is a very – I'm, I'm so glad the brother put this on his list, because I have been – this is some of the things I have been screaming. Are emulating other people – we have emulated – other people so much and begin to assimilate other people so much, we have the, we assimilate their diet. And I don't care what nobody, oh, we're all human. We all bleed red. We're all the same. We are not genetically made up like they are. There are certain things that, that affect us directly, like there are certain things that affect them, like there are certain things that affect Jewish people directly. I forget that eye disease thing they have that shows Jewish bloodline. We have to stop buying into the hype. We're all red in the same. There's certain things black men, black women stay away from eating because your predisposed or your predisposition um, or, you know, your body cannot digest and handle those things, and it reacts differently. So we have to be educated about that. And once we're educated about it, we must begin to take the proper steps. Go on, and I'm not going to be long about it, but I, I think that is just such a good topic. That and and I agree so hardly with these greenhouses because living almost impossible. I go to these food stores and first of all, none of these stores are in our neighborhoods. I need you brothers and sisters to take note of that. None of these whole food stores and healthy living stores where you very rarely will you find in communities that are predominantly comprised of Africans or black people. Very rarely, almost hardly never. And when you go to the grocery stores, the junk you find in these grocery stores are ridiculous. So we have to be mindful of that. So we must begin to take um, control of that and then even with the greenhouses and stuff, begin to demand these grocery stores because they ship it according to supply and demand. Begin to demand that these grocery stores have fresher fruit. Begin to demand that they have better products. Begin to demand that they roll some of that stuff out of your neighborhood. Go in some of that grocery stores in their neighborhoods. It's like their liquor stores. See, in their neighborhoods, they have wine shops. They have wine. You got liquor stores. <laughs> well, they got wine, wine, wine. You know what? Wine shops. You go in your neighborhood, it's called Malt Liquors. Some of the things that we're drinking. I mean, and listen to what you're drinking. Colt 45. A red, a, a bull. Bull. Man. Dog. Should you listen to you are what you consume. 
You are what you consume. And we consume so trash. Just that's, I'm sorry, sir. And we consume trash. And we consume trash. And wonder why our lifestyle, our health, and our lifestyle and our communities are trashy. And we behave trashy and talk to one another trashy. Because that's what we're consuming. So the brother's absolutely right, man. Get together. We have to get together. Community, I, I, I love it. Start out small. You can start with something in your window. I know people do it. Minister Justice does it. I know people that do it have the Paisley and the experiment and all kind of things in the window. Then start to venture out. Get with other people. Get to community garden. Demand greenhouses. Go to these stores. Get you a, a group together and go to these stores and start demanding better products in your stores. Absolutely. Healthy eating, health, 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 health. I can't stress it enough, and I'm so glad you put that on the list because that is one of the things, that is such an understated. We don't stress that enough. That is so understated as revolutionaries. We allow, we wait for everyone else to take the whole taps and the so-called hippies of the conscious movement and the vegans and all of that to take the role now. But the revolutionary must stress the importance of a proper diet. Man, I thought that was, that's excellent, Minister Like. You did an excellent job too, Brother Yanger. Um, going into the next one, it's more about jobs. Um, jobs, financial stability, economics. Um, we we are not going to stress this enough. Group economics is the key. Now that does not mean go give your money to everybody that's asking for money because there's a lot of con artists out there. You have to use your money wisely. Like I said, work with people that you know and like-minded individuals. Um, as far as jobs, earlier um, on, this, on this radio station, we had spoke about people with cars and trucks and vans, SUVs, going up, picking up people at the bus stop for $2, um, staying on one bus line, going back and forth. That's a, that's a way right there. Like I said, you um, do the math, see if you could get enough people, if your gas is going to make it or whatever, but do the math, that's a job right there. You have people doing during the um the hot weather that's going around selling bottles of water that's creating your own jobs right there. During the fall time, people raking up um leaves and cutting people's grass. That's a job right there, creating a market for yourself. During the winter time, you're shoveling out shoveling out people's cars, you're getting money that way, that's a job market right there. You got all of these new startup companies popping up, um like Uber and Lyft. Um, you start, they give you a $500 bonus. You invite a friend, they give them a $300 bonus. That You and your team, you got five friends, y'all can set that up right there, and I'm pretty sure they got two friends. They could put on, you just made a couple of people, a couple of your friends' money right there. Um, Uber Eats, all this other stuff. Then you got affiliate marketing. There's so many things you could do. You have, um, you could order a T-shirt machine, start making T-shirts. There's so many things you could do. But just because their job market is not hiring, it doesn't mean you just fall out of the race. No, you create your own. You create your own. And if you 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 if you know somebody that has their own, and you go to them, see if you get a job, and you start working with working with them. But you don't just you don't just sit down and just give up. You understand? You are the original man, and the original woman. You are the first. Everything else on this planet came after and from you. You have to understand that. Every math, science, it came from you. So every job that was created, it, can only, it was only possible because of you. 
So just because their job market is not hiring, it does not mean you can't create your own job market. And with jobs comes um, gentrification. They come yeah. in, clean up the neighborhood, and then they start hiring jobs to some of their people so they can move in too. But who thought is that? How many? How how long was these abandoned lots abandoned for? And you and your friends, you and your neighbors, y'all just kept walking by this abandoned lot. Y'all had to see who owns that lot. How much it would it cost to buy or lease this lot? And like I say, people in your community, you get together. And you, y'all can control this lot. The 501C, you probably know about 501C3, but the 501C is over 29 distinctions of this. So you can start a not-for-profit with 29 different distinctions, and some of it is group-owning property. So one of the 501Cs, you could get a group together, and y'all could have communal living by owning city property. This is just some type of thing to think about with jobs and justification. So, um, Brother Yang, do you have anything to say about this topic? Uh, yeah, I, I think that's that's excellent. That's absolutely right. And like you, I like the warning that you were giving the brothers and sisters. There's a lot of current artists out here. So just giving your money to the first Joe Blow that comes by that sounds like he has a good idea is not really wise at all. But we're we're talking about putting into one of the things that the Asians do. I was talking to some Asians and stuff. And one of the things that they do is even though they may own their individual business, they have a pot that they put in. And I don't know exactly how it works, but I think every month, I think it's, you know, a couple of these businesses, and every month somebody gets that money to, to you know, to help something as simple as that, something as simple as that. When I'm talking about, you know, businesses, community-owned businesses, I'm talking about a co-op. You know, in your store, store you have these foreigners come and open up stores in your community. And like the brother was saying, how many times have we passed empty lots and empty buildings that we could have gotten and, and did a store and just did it as a co-op? You know, and even if it isn't the masses of people, I'm talking about these so-called progressive organizations. We can set the example. The People's Black Panther Party for Self-Determination will work with the New Black Panther Party, will work with the Revolutionary Black Panther Party, will work with the Republican New Africa, will work with the Guerrilla Republican and this and that. We can begin to set the example and be the example of cooperative economics and what a co-op looks like. You know, and to inspire because we want to be, you know, at the same time, I hear because I hear a lot of these uh, different groups talk about economics and they talk about entrepreneurialism, never being mindful of capitalism. And that's what we don't want to participate in. We don't want to, I mean, what I don't want to say participate in, but build up because we live in a capitalist country. So limited participation, there's going to be some some participation. now, I'm just saying capitalist planet, my brother. Yeah, capitalist planet, right on. So there's going to be some participation. But the socialization and the communalization of other people can come through co-ops. When we begin to pool our resources, begin to pool those money, and begin those businesses begin to being owned by the people. And that's a whole different thing. So it's just something that we have to start looking at Alternative, like the brother said, begin to look at economic stability, begin to look at having these businesses and how we can run these businesses, and then begin to look at alternative economic systems or alternative ways to um, do the businesses that don't, that don't exploit 
oppress any people because that's what's happening in our communities, whether we know it or not. Our communities are being exploited, economically exploited. I don't know how many times I've said that even these foreigners have gotten so greedy for money, they putting the candy lady out of business. The candy lady used to, you at least could at least go get the loose cigarette or the little the dinner plate or whatever. That's how she supplemented their, her income or his income, and they made a little ends meet. Now you can get all of this. Hell, the corner stores buy food stamps. They have gotten greedy. You can go get cash for food stamps. Now, let's keep it real. Let's, let's be 21, brothers and sisters out here listening. You know what I'm talking about. So we've given up so much control that even if it's illegal and illicit, they will do it to get your nigga pennies. So we must begin to take control of that back and have control of that and say enough is enough and really look sustainable um, economic alternatives for, to end the ex- economic exploitation and to establish stability and sufficiency for ourselves. Absolutely. All right, brother, did you have another one on the list? Yeah, well, I wanted to um, piggyback on what you said, actually. Yes, sir. Um, yes, you, sir. Had, you had said talking about the candy lady. That's another thing, too. A lot of young people out here, they um, buy a couple of boxes of candy. They get right on that train and they start selling that candy. That's economic. You got to keep building. Another thing you had yeah. um, reminded me about was that the food carts and the food trucks. This, the food cart and food truck is basically – damn, what else about this? So the food cart and the food truck is basically taken over by one group of people so, um, in, the New, in New York City, at least, by, um, by people from the Indian Peninsula. But this doesn't mean that you can't get in either. How much does it cost to buy a food truck? You could buy a used food truck in good condition for a couple of thousands of dollars. So when you get that refund check, this is what you got to be thinking about. Don't just go out and buy a whole bunch of Jordans or buy the big flat screen TV because you feel you deserve that. You got to be mindful of these things too. You could go out and buy a cart or a food truck, and you can, you can hustle like that. One of the um, one of the, um, the a young couple down the block, they bought an icy truck. To me, I could dream. All you got to do is come out your own your house on a hot day and sit in front of your building, and you just make money like that. There's so many ways for us to make money. All you got to do is focus. Don't get caught up in their rat race. Don't get caught up in their job market. Create your own job market. That's pretty much what I wanted to say on that. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Don't get caught up. Don't be limited. There again, like we're talking about that, um, that, in the, that dependency – that being dependent on other people to take care of you. And one thing I want to say, man, I get, let me give New York props. I got to give New York and New Jersey, I got to give up North props because I haven't gotten a swing over yet. Y'all bad, man. Y'all eat food from a, from a cat selling food on the road, on the side of a road out of a damn cart. I just can't bring myself to do it. I'm like, shit, this, I, y'all are tough with that, man. I just, <laughs> I gotta give y'all props. This is no, I can't do it. I, you know, I just, I'm here looking at this man on the, and we on the side of the road outside. No walls on it. He's just cooking food and wants to give me some food. I'm like, boy, New York is tough. So yeah, but the brothers, the brothers, absolutely right. Um, there are all kind of ways to do it, and we must expand. And then to go back to like he's saying that cooperative economics. When you begin to expand, and you brothers that's been in the game, you know about fronting somebody something. 
When you begin to expand, invest in the next brother. Let another brother work, invest in his business, and work up to ownership of, of their card. If you got a card and you're making your little money, this and that, it's not about having that capitalist mentality. I got a house, I got a five bedroom house, and it's just me. And my brother's got six children living in a one bedroom apartment. No, invest in that. Listen, invest in their business. Allow them a, a chance to own their business. This is how these other groups end up getting ahead. They end up, they understand the responsibility and account of race responsibility and race accountability. They, it's their obligated. It is in their DNA. It is in their social cultural makeup for them to begin to help one another. And that's just not socially. That's just not to be socially acclimated to America, but to help them economically get on their feet. I know a lot of those Punjabs and Tower heads, when those people come over here, one of them said, you know, if they work for their family for five years, he said, if he works, what did he say? He said, I come over, I work for my uncle. My uncle has three gas stations. If mm-hmm. I work for my uncle for five years, he will give me one of those gas stations. Now, how does this work? It helps out because now the uncle who has three gas stations has the man working his gas station. That's free labor. So with the with the extra money that he's not paying the labor, he can go buy another gas station and afford to give that gas station mm-hmm. to his nephew, who eventually get somebody to come over and work it for free and have enough money to buy another gas station. And he probably paid for him. He probably got houses for him and food for him too. Everything I've seen it where they live in the back of the store. Mm, let them know. Come over and be single. You know they will. They will do so. Absolutely, they here have house for him, food for him. He's going to completely hook him up. And we used to do that back in slavery. When we were leaving slavery, we had the Freeman's Bureau. Mm. And what was the Freeman's Bureau job? To help those slaves, those former slaves, get acclimated and to begin to fit in society. And we did a tremendous job. They said one of the biggest miracles of America. What happened in America is you took a people that was completely illiterate, and within 10 to 15 years, 20 years span, it was a 90% literacy rate. Unheard of. A people that could barely speak the language. So then we did, that's how, that's what you call looking out. The Freemans yeah. Bureau was one of those people that we, we did that. We used to implement that. But when we begin to integrate, and when we thought we had made it, and when we thought that we were accepted, not only did we integrate um, financially or economically, we began to integrate our morals and our ethics, as I've said so many times before. And when we did that, we began to equate success with what they equated success with, big house, big car, what you're driving. And that is never how the African traditionally had equated success. It was about the family. It was about y'all have seen good times. James ever seen you couldn't keep no job. Couldn't never find a job, but daddy came home. And daddy laid down and regulated and held the law down. It was about family, a family structure, a social structure. And when we begin to equate our manhood to our material possessions, lack of material possessions started to mean was synonymous with lack of manhood. So we started to defy our manhood, our fine manhood. In nothing, in the lowest of material possessions. And we found respect and disrespect in our material possessions to the point where we got if somebody stepped on your sneaker, they would be murdered and disrespected. Because your respect was found in that material possession. 
all of your manhood and your self-worth was in a tennis shoe or a gold chain or a jumpsuit or a starter jacket. We have to leave that. And we know, like the brother is constantly saying, and I agree with, it's not going to be an overnight process, that the movement, that the revolution is a protracted struggle. It is something that we teach to our children in the prayers and the hopes to Allah, to God, that they will teach it to their children and will teach it to their children, and it will become a part of their makeup, a part of what they do. Just like we see every other nationality practicing this form of nationalism. But when it comes to you and I, when it comes to you and I, we run from that form of nationalism and we hold on to an illusion of an American dream from a country that never had your best interest in at heart from its inception. Never had your best interest at heart from its inception. I've said before and I'll say it again, we suffer from battle wife syndrome. When a man beats his wife and you tell the man, tell the woman to leave the man, and she says, don't leave him. You tell the woman, he's going to kill you next time, but I love him. Maybe it was my fault. Maybe it was something I I brought this beating on my soul. If I'd have behaved myself, if I'd have acted better. You see all type of, you hear the most ridiculous self depraving uh, Excuses from women from abused women, and now the black man and the black woman suffer the same suffer from this same sickness. I have an echo coming from someone. So I don't know. What? Okay, that's a little better. Is it brother? So did you want to say something on that, brother? Robin? Did you want to say something? Did you want to add to that? Oh no! You have brung up um, you you have brung up the jacket and the coat and the chain. Yes, sir. And I was just thinking that's more opportunity as well. You have to stop. First of all, capitalism is not our system, but we have to take advantage of it. You have to stop buying all of their materials. You're giving them funds to exterminate us. So. If it's up to me, if you want to wear Jordan, bootleg it, and you buy it from the African. If you want to wear Gucci belt, you bootleg it, and you buy it from the African. Don't give it to them anymore. And even though the Africans buy it from the Chinese, you learn how to make that stuff too, and then you start selling that stuff. I say get away from it. On a pair of sneakers, you make sure that it's made by a black person with a black conscious mind. You want to spend $600 on a belt? You make sure it's made by a black person with a conscious mind. You have to spend your money wisely. Don't give your enemy your money to fund a war against you. Against you. You know what? I I say we get away from it. I say we, I agree with you, but you know, if you, if you have to have those things, first of all, I would tell brothers and sisters that have to have those things, look in the mirror, take a checkup from the neck up. You are still a slave. That's why they call it a brand, a brand name. Negro, you branding yourself. I don't even like to wear a man's name on my. That was gay anyway. I don't wear men's. I don't like people's name on me. You're branding. That's why it's called their brand. You got Gucci. Gucci branded you. Nike, Nike branded you. 
You have to be branded. You're property of. If you, if this, if I would tell my brothers and sisters, if that yourself worth, when I see a young brother come in, and I went through it before, my nephew was on the line tonight. I don't want to put him out there because he was a baller in them streets. And my other nephew who's out here is still a baller. And they know how I feel about it. They know, Unc, I don't see the importance of a $500 belt, an $800 shirt, $600 slacks, and this and the likes of that. I don't see my, my words has never been founded, and I believe in being clean and neat. I came up in that era. You, you're clean and neat. You present yourself accordingly, and you should look decent and tuck your shirt in type of thing, but never to the extent. You know, I like my grandmother's code. What, what, what French friends say, you go to school to learn, not for a fashion show. It was about being clean and presentable. Never was my worth in the name brand. I understood being clowned out. Sometimes I got clowned because I didn't have the name brand sneakers. But my words was that establishing me that I, I didn't have to find my worth in that. That's one of the worst things that I, I, you know, I really hate this whole materialist thing had hit. That's like it did. So I would say get away from that. Secondly, these sports stars that sell their names that become slaves to the system, I think that, you know, and so you up-and-coming rappers out there listening, you up-and-coming ball players out there listening to the sound of my voice, please take heed. You should study that these athletes and these entertainers sell themselves. They sell their they sell their name. Michael Jordan, whose birth name was Michael Jordan, can only and forever until he dies wear hands. If he gets caught with a pair of fruit looms on there, sue him. He can only wear Nike sneakers. He begins to deprive himself of the choices of life for a dollar. If that's not selling your soul, I don't know what it is. Your name, the name that I've been given by my parents is attached to a material now that I can't escape this material if I wanted to wear an Adidas sneaker. I couldn't wear it. I remember when he played in the um, Olympics, and I forgot who made their jersey. I think it was Reebok. If you go back and you look, his Reebok emblem had tape over it. He couldn't even be seen wearing a Reebok emblem. His name, and what gets me, is his name is big enough that he doesn't need Nike. He could come out with some Jordans. They don't have to be Nike Jordans. He could, Michael Jordan's name is huge enough and big enough that he could get a plant, a factory, get some brothers and sisters, make some sneakers, and snap his name on those sneakers, and they would sell out. Nike doesn't have to be the producer. The manufacturer of those sneakers But we sell our souls We take the quick road We want to be so accepted We want a kumbaya We want a multicultural so bad We want a piece of this pie so bad That we get into the capitalism And we practice capitalism From what? A consumer perspective That's all you want A consumer in the capitalism, a walking billboard. When you put those things on your body, let me tell you, brothers and sisters, they target us intentionally. When we wear these things on our body, we're advertising, free advertising. You should go in there. I'm an old Ice Cube fan. Ice Cube said in one of his raps, stop wearing Raiders 
because Al Davis never paid us. The owner of the Raiders team, he said they didn't pay us to wear that Raiders gear, so he stopped wearing Raiders gear, Kings gear, all this other stuff, free advertising. As much advertising as you brothers and sisters do, the rappers, Versace, 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 Gucci man and Gucci this and Gucci that, they should go get a discount. And the owners of these companies will turn around and tell them we don't intend our product to be used by Negroes, niggas in most instances, they say. By niggas. We're not catering to niggas. You see, so we, we sort we begin to we don't we're not even conscious that we're advertising for these people and these people are targeting us. Let me tell you and and, and I'm gonna be brief and allow the brother to come back on. When I knew we were being targeted, when I turned on the television and the damn honeybee, the Cheerios, the honeybee was up there rapping and bust a move with Usher. When the honeybees dancing with Usher, they're not going to tell me that they're not trying to get black folks to buy Cheerios. You're being targeted. Consumer capitalism. If you're going to participate in practicing capitalism, which I think is a most horrendous practice because it was founded on the uh, appropriation and the thievery and the uh, taking of land of a native people, and the extermination and genocide of the native people and built up on the backs and the labors and the murder and the kidnap of African people. This is where capitalism comes from, feudal, feudal slaveocracy. There's no way around it. It was based and built on the blood of your ancestors and predecessors, as well as the Native Americans, the ancestors and predecessors. So it is a horrendous practice to me. But if you have to practice it, don't practice it. Stop practicing it from the point, standpoint of a consumer capitalist. Get some of the money then. Quit spending yours. Well, you want to add to that? I didn't. I didn't. I didn't get hype. Black power. Black power. That's good though. You got hype. You got in there. That's what's up, man. You gotta let them know. You gotta let them know. Black power. Black power. So you know. Yeah, the last two points. The last two points. I think is. I think um. It consists of more of a. A nationalistic mindset. So it's something that, well, to me, I don't think you can really do much in your community, but you could piggyback off of it if you want to as well. The first one was the poison in our water system. That goes back to the thing that we were talking about before about how we're not um, self reliant on ourselves. We rely on everybody else. We rely on the system to discipline us, to teach us, to feed us, right? So when our water systems become poisoned, it's only our fault. Yeah, they messed up, but it's ours because we allow them to feed us. So like I, from my point of view, separate but equal, we should be in control of our own water supply. And if we if we live in a major city and we have to share with other people, then we should have we should make sure we have people on the board or the staff of that company or the government um the government agency that looks over these things to make sure that our water supply is okay. So I know this happened in different places over in the country. Um. No, it was in Flint. I think it was in certain parts of New Jersey as well. And I think probably in the Midwest as well. Um, Brother Yang, do you have anything to say about the water supply? I think it's still bad in Flint, right? Yeah. I mean, it's, yes, it, but it's, it's terrible. Bad. It's terrible. That's a tragedy. That's a travesty. You know, and it's one, and, and, and I'm glad that you brought that up because it's not one. It's something that – um. You know, it keeps slipping to the back of our mind, and it should really be at the forefront. Water is the essential. Water is essential to life. Water is the earthly flow of life, and for people to be deprived of 
clean drinking water, pure water, man, is a crime. It's a crime. And something has to be done about this. They're sitting there going back and forth about Obamacare and where the money is about Obamacare. Listen, <laughs> so clean up the water in Flint. Get it together. It's a crime. You know, but like I said, they keep us so bombarded with travesties and with tragedies right. and, and, and the things that they're doing to us that we suffer from Negro amnesia. It's hard to keep up with all the things that's happening to us. Clean the water up in, in, in Flint. And it goes back to what, what we were talking about. That's why, that's the difference between separation and segregation. When they put us in a spot where they will have us, they put us where they want us and they control the resource. It's terrible. It has to be a way we can begin to control our resources. You know, yeah, absolutely. I agree with you. Yeah. Like I said, we can start small. It's not going to be big effort. It's not going to happen overnight, but we we start small. We start, we keep building. We get our, our friends and family to help. We make sure we teach our kids. Um, we, can't, we can't keep hiding things from them. They have to know the truth. They were born into a war. We broke them into a war, and they have to know the rules. So you should be teaching your kids how to play chess. You should be teaching them how to play Monopoly. Even if we don't agree with capitalism, the whole planet is engulfed in capitalism. So we have to figure out ways to navigate through that. It's like, like we were saying, water is essential to life. Majority of the human body is made up of water. Majority of the earth is covered in water, the surface of the earth. Those are just some things to think about how important water is. And we let other people, we let our enemies control our water and food supply. That's something to think about. Yes. Say it again, brother. I'm sorry I didn't hear you. I said you want to say something else? No, no, no. That's that's perfect. That's that's right. You know, it's something to think about. I like what you said, to reiterate what you said and to, you know, come again what you said, man, teaching our children that we're at war. I think that we forget that. You know, or either we we run from that and want and we sell our children these illusions and these dreams, but really have to teach them that we're at war. So and and they have to know that. They have to know that so they'll be equipped. Now, with the poison water supply, whatnot, I'm gonna go on to my next point, which is well, our next point, which is um, international conflict. Right, so our president Donald Trump, he wants to start this war with North Korea. Now, I never, I have never been to North Korea. I don't really know what's going on over there. I don't know if these things are true. But just because the president and these politicians who really haven't done anything for us told us that we should go to war with North Korea, we're going to believe them. But we just told you that our water supplies are poisoned. Um, our food is inadequate. Inadequate. Um, we have inadequate transportation, inadequate housing. There's adults that don't know how to read. There's thousands of missing children. But our biggest concern is going to war with somebody else because of what they're doing in their country. That sounds ludicrous. We have problems over here that we have to start addressing. We have problems at home that we have to address. International conflict. Who does it really affect? Like I said, like we said before, America was built for white people and their seed. It was not built for black people. Nations operate on treaties. 
We need our own nation because these in, international conflicts, they don't include us. We may join the army for the benefits because we can't, because we need those benefits, benefits to, to, to survive. But if we start working with some of these solutions that we listed today on this radio show, and a generation or two, we won't need them to survive. We could build our own. We start building our own right now. We start building our own today. These international conferences don't include us. It's that America, America's inspection was built by white America, not black America. And Brother Yang, yeah. you want to jump in? Yeah, I, I'll jump in. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, some conflicts, I think that, you know, the black man and black woman's apathy towards politics puts us in a bad situation. You know, some things, I, I now I personally think that we should be aware of the face of America internationally because our silence, a lot of times silence to um, foreigners or to other people is um, agreement, compliance. Is you know so the black man and the black woman. I think one of the things that I loved about what Huey did and the Third Development Panthers did, they spoke out against the war in Vietnam. They stated the African here, the black people's position against the war in Vietnam, despite what America was doing. You, you know who America supported coming in. Huey, now, Huey and the Black Panther Party and other progressive revolutionary organizations made black people stand. Uh, 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 um, about our position for the war in Vietnam clear. I think that that's important because as a revolutionary, as an internationalist, eventually, in order, I agree with Brother El Haj Malik Shabazz said, in order for our struggle to really to sink in, it must evolve to an international struggle. Our national revolution must evolve to an international struggle, and we must show them that our human rights are being violated that we have for centuries upon being brought in, first of all, that we want the crime of slavery addressed. We want reparations, like the Jews got reparations, like the Japanese got reparations. Even the Japanese got reparations from America from when they put um, some of the second gen and third generation Japanese in in um, concentration camps, or entertainment camps, when they went to war with Japan. And they got reparations. So we're saying that internationally, we want the international world to acknowledge that a crime that America had perpetrated on against an African people and had stolen one of Africa's most precious resources, which were her people, which crippled and handicapped and retarded the development of Africa. When you take the masses, when you take the population from Africa or take the population out of a place, you handicap that place's development. And once that development is handicapped, once they handicap that development, they said, okay, you know what? It's not even good enough to export slaves. Let's go in and colonize. So then they begin to set up criminal, criminal settler colonies. So we want the crime of slavery addressed. We want reparations for that. Then we want it to be acknowledged that despite our trying, with the most sincere efforts, with the Mega Evans and the Dr. Kings and the Jose Williams and the Abernathy's and the um, Jacksons and all the whole civil rights movement and these integrationists that we have sincerely as an African people, I'm not saying me individually, but we as an African people have sincerely attempted to blend in and to abide by the so-called Constitution of the United States to be citizens of the United States and that we have never been recognized as that, 
we won't be recognized as that, and that we are systematically being targeted for extermination, exploitation, and oppression for no other reason than that we're the descendants of Africans, and that is a violation of our human rights, that they will not leave us alone, that the hindrance and the encumbrance is intentional, that they are intentionally stopping the natural evolution are intentionally denying the full participation in their system. And that's a violation of our human rights. Health, like we were talking about the food. Our health is being targeted. Education, socially, culturally. Our human rights are being violated. And we're saying that we can't find any justice. We're telling the international world, all the revolutionaries in the international world, all of those people fighting for their freedom and their self-determination all through the world, we're telling them that we're suffering the same things that you suffered at the hand of a tyrannical death post, at the hand of a tyrannical regime. I don't care if it has the semblance or the skies of a democracy. It is not a democracy because it is not all-inclusive of African people, and history bears witness to it, and not just history, but what happens now bears witness to it. And when any of us stand up and, and rail out against it, we're murdered or we're locked away. We want the international world to free our political, our political prisoners and our freedom fighters because we want our struggle here in America to be recognized as a revolutionary struggle. And we want the acts of those freedom fighters to be looked at as acts of revolutionary combatants and not national criminals, local criminals, state criminals. That's what they're being held on, criminal charges, and these are political prisoners, and they have certain rights under the Geneva Convention that they're being denied because our struggle is not looked at as a revolutionary struggle, and we demand that the international world look at those brothers and sisters, the movement of the Panther Party and all the other formations, as a legitimate struggle for freedom, liberation, and empowerment of an oppressed people. That's what we're demanding from the international world. And, and this is why I say that we have to, um, as African people in America, make our voice clear, clearly heard internationally so they know we don't go along with the discrimination, the bigotry, the racism, the blatant hatred, and the, and the outright foolishness of this current, especially this current regime against all other peoples, not just North Korea, but the Islamic world, the Spanish-speaking world. Damn. Black people got to say, man, we're not with that shit. Him. We are not with what he's doing. That's him. We are lovers of humanity. We believe in more in that Bill of Rights than they do. We believe in life, liberty, the pursuit of happiness, that all men are endowed with certain inalienable rights under the sight of God. We believe that more than when and they wrote it. And we believe it more than they do. And we attempt to enact it. And that has been our downfall. So we appeal to the international world saying that we cannot find justice. We cannot find um, a impartial judgment to our plight here. We can't find, you know, it not being, we're just saying that the cards are stacked against us. So appealing to these very people that enslaved us is futile. So we're appealing to the international world. We're appealing to the UN. We're appealing to, we want the Geneva Convention to we're feeling the international world, and I honestly believe that was one of the things that got our dear brother El Haj Malik Shabazz, our dear brother Malcolm, assassinated because he took it bigger than just a national fight, 
you know, his black nationalism evolved into a black internationalism, to pan-Africanism, universal Africanism, as some like to call it. And I believe that that's what got him killed. No, that's, that's my stance on that. I think that we have to, like you said, we have to recognize that we're a nation, and I think you had said somewhere earlier before, begin to establish our own ties and own relationships, not just nationally with one another, but internationally. We have to begin to, and, and not allow them to be our spokesman, because the way they speak, and we don't even want to be affiliated with that. We don't want nothing to do with that. You ever had a crazy partner be running their mouth? You're like, well, I ain't with him. I ain't with him. <laughs> With him, yeah, I know I rode in the car with him, but I didn't know he was gonna be talking like that, man. You know, he's yeah, he's off, bro. I'm not, I'm not even with any of that he's saying. And I and I think that that's what has to be said. I don't know everything about North Korea. I do believe that he possibly is a threat. I I think he's a madman too. I think two madmen at the helm is dangerous. You know, you know, but fortunately or unfortunately, how it looked at, I happen to be on the shores of North America. So I got to ride with this madman. You know what I'm saying? But we must establish um, a rapport internationally with other people as an African people uh, dispossessed, as an African people here in America, in the diaspora, as and saying that we speak for ourselves. Yeah, we're in this vehicle. We were full, We were kidnapped and forced to ride in this vehicle. But everywhere this vehicle turns, we don't agree with every turn this vehicle is making. So... I, 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 brothers and sisters, man, you know, and this is what, and this is what I mean by, you know, what, when I say that they keep us bombarded with problems, you know what I'm saying? I, I dig what Black Lives Matter is doing and I dig, but there's no movement like a revolutionary movement because the revolutionary movement, you know, a lot of these groups are protest groups and that's it. You know, they're on to the next protest. This brother's killed. Everybody's running to St. Louis. In reaction. You know, there's somebody yeah, reactionaries. Reactionaries, not progressive. We're wherever you know, we're, we're ambulance chasing, wherever it's at. That's where we're going. And not solution oriented. And when we become solution oriented, not only nationally will we begin to formulate a plan and a strategy, but then that will get us to be able to see the bigger picture internationally. You know, we got brothers and sisters out there looking at the plight of the black man and the black woman. I remember when that thing happened in Ferguson with Mike Brown, I was surprised when I was looking on the Internet, the people were sending out international solidarity. There were some people from Palestine that was telling the brothers and sisters in the protest how to do. They said when they throw the tear gas, make sure you wet your thing and put it over your face. Don't look directly into it. I mean, they was actually giving them pointers. And these were Palestinians. You know what I'm saying? So revolution has its own connection. Revolution, people, can can people connect with any people that's trying to fight off the shackles of oppression? Internationally, nationally, ethnically, you know, ethnicities even cross lines and come together when you're fighting oppression because oppression is the common enemy. Oppression is the common enemy. So we, we, we have to step up our, not simply because we're struggling like hell, we are in the fight, but we have to step up the strategies and step up the, step up the efforts that we're putting into these strategies to make sure that they become feasible. And us as revolutionaries, I would tell the brothers and sisters out there listening, have to 
You know, and I know it's hard. I know it's difficult. It is. It is difficult. I, I burn out. I burn out. I didn't even want to do the radio tonight. So I'm running around earlier today. I burn out. But the revolutionary must get this information, digest the information, and get out there and disseminate it to the masses of people in a in a manner that they can accept and that will inspire in them the urge to participate and practice in their own self-sufficiency and independence and self-determination. I've said it time and time again, and I will constantly repeat it, because that is what we have to do. And it must become a generational movement and a protracted struggle. No, I'm sorry, man. I got you know I got on a tangent. No, man, you hit another question. That was actually a great finish to the list, brother. So yeah. So was that all? I was. Did we go through the list? Yeah, we went through the list. But the, the last thing was um. Is marching and protesting. Mr. Light. So I think when a lot of people think about marching and protesting. Mr. Light, about, you there? Did we go through the list? You hear me? Brother, you hear me, brother? Hold on. Brother Yanga. You hear me? Are we having technical difficulties, gentlemen? You hear me, brother, um, sister? I can hear you, brother. Okay, we don't hear Brother Yenga. Let me see. Uh, we're having technical difficulties, folks. Uh, brother Light was just speaking on uh, marching and protesting. Uh, y'all bear with us. Uh, brother Light is going to hold on, hold us down for a moment, um, and we're going to find out what happened to our chairman, Black Power. Okay, so... Um, that was pretty much the end of the list of the problems and solutions. But the other topic of tonight was, is marching and protesting helping us? Um, I think when a lot of us think about marching and protesting, we think about Dr. King, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. But we fail to realize that he didn't just march and protest. He also tried to influence legislation and he boycotted. So that is, Two big, two very big things. When we march and protest, of course we could we could go out and show solidarity for the problems at hand, but we also have to try to do something as well. All of those people, we have to try to influence some type of legislation, because most of the cops that's doing the killing of our of our young brothers and sisters, they're getting off. They're getting off. They're getting their job back. They're keeping their pensions, and they're getting to go home to their families when their victims are not. So when we march and protest, we have to demand something change, and not just for the case at hand, but something changes in that state constitution or that federal constitution. Um, also, oh, that's a good point. That, that's a good yeah, point. Uh, uh, Chairman Yang is on, but that was just one thing that I used to say all the time. You know, if you want to protest, protest with um, – with a demand uh, until that demand is met. You know, a lot of times it's to change legislation. How do you think all these cops keep getting off after they're killing people? But, you know, let me defer right now to our national chairman, um, uh, uh, Brother Light, Black Power. Black Power. Black Power. I was, I mean, yes, thank you. I was knocked off. But I'm going to go back to Brother uh, Minister Light because I think he was explaining something and he was on to something. But right before I do, let me say this. 
Uh, let me give the, the, the call sign. This is the People's Black Panther Party for Self-Determination, Independence Black Talk Radio. Your opportunity to share with us. We got Minister Light on, man, who has been a wonderful, wonderful co-host. Very insightful, very enlightening. I've enjoyed the dialogue and the exchange. But if you'd like to get into this dialogue, if you have any questions or comments, please press 1. We'll recognize you, have an opportunity to speak to the young, I like to call him the young phenom. You know, I'm so proud that um, the brother signed the board with us, have an opportunity to speak to the young minister and, you know, pick his brain a little bit. So press 1, like I said, press 1. We'll recognize you. But until then, uh, I defer it back to Minister Light and allow him to finish explaining what he was, was speaking about. Well, thank you, brother. And so for the second thing, it was, the second thing Dr. King did was boycott. Um, we march and we protest, but we have to add on boycotts as well. Um, because when we boycott, we can look at what is that county, like what is the major form of economic flow for that county, and we can try to stop buying from that company or whatever. This will mess up the whole county, so the county has no choice but to meet our demands. And if it's a city thing, then we look for the major flows of economy through that city, and we start boycotting their projects as well. Um, but, Brother Yingen, the first thing we had said for the marching and protesting that we have to start changing legislation, and the second thing was we have to start boycotting the, um, certain companies so we can have our voices heard. Would you like to touch on that, Brother Yingen? I Listen, I agree. I agree. Boy, you know, marching and protesting with the demand. Yeah, a lot of times, and, and this too, in the march and protest, find out who's leading your march and your protest. A lot of times they're just a ploy to spend your energy. You have these Negroes marching your ass around the interstate and around up and down by the time you're, you're hooping and hollering. By the time you get to your destination point, you're exhausted. Or it just helps you to relieve your frustration and your anger at that time. Find out who's leading these marches and these protests. Find out the demands. What are you asking for? Because anger, there's nothing wrong with anger. It's healthy to be angry. What's happening to us should elicit your anger. If it doesn't, clearly you're not connected to the plight of African people in America. Clearly. Clearly you're disconnected from your people. So you should be angry. But anger must be channeled. And it must be, once that anger is channeled, once that anger is placed and put into a proper perspective, you it, 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 it doesn't blind you. See, there's a difference between anger and blind rage. So once the anger is put into perspective, it still allows you to be clear-minded enough to come up with some feasible, viable solution for the problem that you're addressing. And a protest is only that. You're protesting that condition, but you want an end game. Too many times we don't have an end game. It is about the release of energy, about the release of emotions. It's about getting it off my chest. And we stop there. And we stop there. And that's all we do. And you and believe me, you, they have us pegged. For those of us that like to read, those of us that are students of revolution and students of the African liberation struggle in America, we know the familiar saying of El Haj Malik Shabazz, when he said that when you pick it, this devil, when you pick, and I'm paraphrasing, when you pick it, this devil, when you pick it, this Cretan, all he does is go to sleep until the picketing is over. 
That's it. Look at what he did in St. Louis. He knew what the verdict or they knew what the verdict was going to be or had the potential of being before it came out. So they delayed it and postponed it until they could move in the National Guard because they knew you Negroes were picking in protest. But like the brother said, when you're dealing with a capitalist society, boycotting, hitting him in the pocket hurts more than anything. So we find out, it goes back there again to education, accountable spending. Let's find out what companies support the FOP, the Fraternal Order of Police. And those companies that support this uh, Fraternal Order of Police, this assassination squad, this company that, that supports this band of murderers, then you withdraw your economic support from that company. This is the importance of understanding politics Because once you understand politics You begin to understand what a lobbyist does and this is what lobbyists do They go to these politicians They say I represent XYZ Corporation And we're willing to put um, 30 million in your campaign If you relax certain laws That allow us to dump toxins in the river They have lobbyists Because they have money by, behind them It's an economic system A capitalist system you and I, they say at one point in time, and this was years ago already, said we spend a trillion dollars out of our community nationally a day out of the black community nationally. A trillion dollars. It's a lot of money. So when you when we're when we're spending this type of money and contributing this greatly to society you have a say. You are not helpless. You are not a, you know, you, you, you actually have a say and have a voice. Let's go to our phone lines. 832-5541. Your mic is open. Good evening, uh, Chairman Yanga. This is K-Mac. How are you? Good evening, Queen K-Mac. I'm well. Thank you for calling in and listening. I'm well. How are you? Absolutely, I'm good. Hello, everybody. Excellent Black topic. Up. Excellent, excellent topic. Um, I grew up in the '60s and the '70s, and it's interesting because the blueprint for us as people have been told to us over and over and over and over and over again, and. What I find is oftentimes we do not believe in that. So, you know, I was always taught if you don't believe in it, it's not going to work, plain and simple. That's just how it goes. Um, Absolutely. I remember when David Duke, he was the grand poobah, I guess, you know, whatever it is, of the KKK. He was running for president. Now, I was very much alive and very much conscious watching this. Well, obviously he didn't get the nomination, but he was pissed off. So what he did is he urged all of white America to pull back, go to school, and then they emerged about 10, 15 years later as police officers, legislators, senators, judges, they went and got into the roles that were needed to change laws to benefit them. They did it well. Um, me growing up, we as children 
we knew how to farm, and I came from the inner city. Every every house I had or knew um, had a victory garden. We all were a collaborative. You know, if you grew something, I grew something. And I'm saying all that because we had a unity that it was very hard for them to break. But they figured out how to break it. Along comes crack cocaine. They did figure out how to break us all up because we were coming back and coming back with a vengeance. And we were doing our own thing. We went to, I remember walking downtown. We didn't want to take the bus. I remember my grandmother saying, we're not going to take the bus and give the white man our money. So we walked downtown. It was insane. I mean, it was, you know, we kids were very politically aware our parents made us politically aware. Many of us wanted to grow up to be senators so we can change laws. Fast forward today. Boycotting, I'm not sure where everyone's getting or people are getting this mindset that boycotting doesn't work. It does work, but you got to want to do it in unison. you yeah. got to want to do it together, and you've got to want to keep it going. The problem is... The items that we're boycotting are the things that people fall in love with. And they're not ready to give that up. So boycotting really is not on the table. Um, as far as reparations, I was listening to some of your, your your discussion on that. I had to give that some thought. I think reparations would be wonderful. The only problem with that is if the United States admits its wrongs, and pays, that sets precedence on a worldwide foundation that all of those countries that participated in slavery, um, because you you have Germany. I had someone tell me they didn't even know blacks were part of the Holocaust, and I'm like, you need to do more homework. Um, Arabs who had us enslaved. If you set precedence that the United States owes black people money, do you know how many countries would have to follow suit? So the U.N. is going to talk. They're going to flap. We're not going to see that anytime soon because they all are going to have to admit their atrocities, all of them. So I kind of, while that's a nice wish, I kind of look at it like, first and foremost, we are here in this country. My grandparents, great-grandparents, my ancestors, help build this country just like everybody else. We're really not interested in unifying. We have a mindset, and I say we because I'm going to include myself because I don't want to separate, but we just don't think things will work. And we are too comfortable in wearing the robe of white supremacy, whether we like it or not. We're very comfortable in that. So... We're going to have our revolutionaries. We're going to have our black power. We're going to have our conscious folks. But the problem is, is that the, the people that we need, uh, and, and, and the brother mentioned it earlier, yes, MLK certainly did do his marches and protests. But like that key piece, he was also involved in legislation. He was also involved in education. They hit at one time a multi-pronged approach. See, the only thing that we saw was him marching. We forgot everything else that he pushed forward on. 
And that's what we're going to have to do. We can't just do one piece. We have to approach everything. Look at the Black Panther Party. They approached hunger. They approached housing. They approached jobs. They approached police brutality. They approached politics. They approached everything at one time. We've been given the blueprint. We have to approach it all at one time. It can't be fragmented like this because it fizzles out and dies, and we see that. We have to approach everything at one time because that is how they approached us. They hit us on all planes. We have to hit back on all planes. It's it's a must. We can't just sit here and say, well, today we're just going to fight because this police officer shot and killed one of our own. Not only do we have to hit back, we have to hit education, we have to hit the politics, we have to go in and change laws, we have to be involved in nutrition, we have to be involved in health care. we got to hit all of it at one time. Mm-hmm. And that is, that is one of the keys. And, and as I look at things, when you read about the Panther Party, when you read about MLK, when you read about Malcolm, when you read about Garvey, you will see they attacked multiple things at one time. It wasn't just one thing. And that yeah, is part absolutely. of the problem. They spotlight one thing, and that's all we focus on, but you're not, they don't, most of us don't look at everything they tackle. Absolutely. So it has to be uh, a you know what? Yes. I think we, and, and, and here it is, I want to address two things. I agree with you about the reparations. I don't, mm-hmm. I know in my lifetime never, but I, you know, it's right. a crime still committed. I think that we still should demand, Absolutely. call for, demand. yeah, regardless of it, because they're not going to recognize it. No criminal is going to say, you know what, I'm a criminal. Like you said, then his co-conspirators have to say, yeah, we participated in the crime also. Exactly. So we're going to exactly. put right. But it, what it does is when we demand reparations, not only does it keep it in the forefront of the criminal's mind that, that a crime was perpetrated, but our children pick up once that's a chance, reparations, then our children pick up on and never forget that a crime has been committed against us. We've been too complacent as a people that have been victims. We have been victims of the fact that, I'm sorry, go ahead. You were saying something, sister? No, I didn't say anything. Okay. The fact that we have been victimized, the fact that a crime has been perpetrated against us, and one of the worst crimes, in the history of human record has been perpetrated against the African here in America, we have really become very lax on that. The fact that we have been totally and completely disconnected from anything that is originally us is is a travesty. So I think that that's the, the thing I want to address about reparations. It keeps it alive. And it reminds our children to never forget. Like the Jews say, never forget, never forget. So reparations... Right, reparations is I never forget. The other thing is, I think we do address all of these issues on every front. We do. We have, you know, but our problem is lack of unity. And this, that's, what I, that's what this, I'm talking about. It has to be at once. It has to be together. Yeah, yeah. Well, it, it, there it is. It has to be together because right. we get into this competition with one another. But every issue is being addressed. We have those um, people that are addressing reform and dressing legislation and policies. We have people addressing youth and diet. We have people addressing 
um, arms and survival. We have people addressing education. But what ends up happening is that we begin to compete with one another like we got the magic keys. What we need to do first is, there is no need to do first. I need to reach out to my brother. I may not agree with, you know, I may not know enough about legislation and policies to get in there, but I need to endorse and support my brother. My calling, this is my, what I've been called to do, my contribution to average liberation here in America. We have to unify, like I agree with you so much, Queen K. Mack, and thank you for your input, is we have to unify that struggle and stop competing with one another in our struggle. If someone, you, you'll be surprised how many times people tell me I'm sounding like Uncle Tom or what we need to do first is or anger that don't make sense. Listen, if we're in a fight and I'm in a fight, and my woman with me and my partner's with me, I want them to get in it. And if you're in the fight, you may not hit like it. If you got a kick, scratch, bite, however you contribute to get this beast off of me, if a bear is on me, I mean a literal bear on me, and you hit with a stick or you yell at it, even if you yell at it, look, do something. Don't step back and say, well, what he need to do first is gouge the eyes. And then once he gouges the eyes, maybe step on his toe. Don't sit there from the sideline. Tell me what I need to do first. We only need to cumulate and attack this beast. And you bring whatever you have. If you have a stick or if you have your teeth, if you have sharp nails, whatever you can contribute. And so I agree with you. It's about the unification. It's about communalism. It's about seeing the work in each and every African in America that is fighting for their empowerment and advancement. You know, and it's not about being over them are schooling them, but finding out how we can organize and structure and bring all of these wonderful dynamic gifts that we have to offer as a people to the struggle to make it, you know, I'm an old coach so we can do some old Voltron type stuff, you know. Um, I don't, for those that are familiar with the cartoon Voltron, is this gigantic robot that breaks into individual pieces, and when trouble comes, they all connect to form the magnificent Voltron robot. I'm like that, yo. We all have to come together and combine into this magnificent African philosophy that will start to begin to get this beast off our backs. But that is going to that is first going to begin with a healthy dose of identity, a love of self. And once that healthy dose, we have that healthy dose of identity, love of self. We begin to love. Our, when we love ourselves, we begin to see ourselves and our brothers and sisters and begin to love that brother and sister. And we begin to become appreciative of their contributions and their efforts and everything they, they, that they're doing for our best. Excellent. I think you made some wonderful, excellent points. And at the end of the day, it's going to be about unity. It's yeah. going to be about tapping it on all fronts. Like you said, they didn't attack us on one front. They attacked us on every front, from mm-hmm. education mm-hmm. to religion. You can see our fragmentation because if if you notice what number 45 and his administration are doing, and this is just my personal observation, everything that he is attacking, uh, and it kind of came clear to me, um, I watched, they started attacking first, you know, um, obviously the housing, and they let go, you know, the police brutality. You know, so I'm just kind of, you know, taking this all in uh, while still doing work. And now they're hitting education. 
specific parts of education. Uh, they mentioned that the breakfast program is no longer necessary because there's no proof. Um, and it was weird because I was talking to another comrade, and I said, if you look very closely, this administration is dismantling everything that the Black Panther Party put together that they stole and claimed. They are messing with the medical. They are messing with the testing for um, actually single cell is not getting as much funding as it used to. And what solidified it for me was when he sat up there and said that he wanted Cuba to return Asada. And so in my brain, I see it as they are still angry at what the Panther Party did. And so we're going to take it all apart because those are the things that are holding us together, so they think. Yeah. And it, and, and it's it, like, and it they're still pouting. They're still pouting. Yeah. Absolutely. A, a, a revolution was waged in America. Yes. Let us not forget, yes. you know, we a real revolution was waged. And what they did, you know, they showed the power of the people. And they showed that a... You know, they, they thumb their nose at capitalism. They showed Huey, for their brilliance yeah. and their genius, established social programs. And it forced, right. you know, the government had to concede. It forced the government to implement social programs. This capitalist country doesn't want to be have anything remotely to do with socialism. They don't want to give the people nothing for free. Nothing. And the, and the, and the party... Forced them. That was the. It, it was, it, it, albeit, it very small, but it was a victory. It forced yeah, the people, government. Yes, and they're still mad, and they're still and very they're mad. angry. And I was like, okay, <laughs> no, okay, very upset. What were you saying, mm-hmm. Minister? Like, no, I'm saying, yeah, a lot of people know about Malcolm X and Dr. King, but they don't know about the war that the Black Panther Party waged against America. A lot of people right. don't know about that. And usually when yeah. I hear my my Dr. Huey pass, they be like, who is that? That's Che Guevara, right? I said, no, this is when Dr. Huey P. Lewis from the Black Panther Party. They look confused. Yeah. I got to break it down to them. Right, um, because they have reduced, they have romanticized the movement and reduced you. Even some of these so-called revolutionaries have just reduced Huey to a cliche or to a image of a, a shotgun toting brother, not understanding the genius and the political genius of this man, right. Huey. And here. In the in the in the the time of um you know this, this capitalism Nixon and everybody here you have this man coming and implement a complete hopeless program. He took the masses of people said we don't have to be dependent on the government. We must understand that the feed the breakfast program, the sickle cell anemia, the um, uh, uh, sickle cell uh, uh, anemia um, the program, clinics, the ambulances, all of those, the ambulance, the police. Say seniors against fearful environment, the shoe ref- yep. the shoe refurbishing programs. All of those were community based programs. They were programs of self sufficiency and self determination and independence. The people put those programs together, funded those programs, made sure those were not government aid. They didn't get a five hundred one c three. They didn't get any right. type of grant. It was the people. Power to the people. They they really show people power. And like you said, when you're dealing with an authoritarian, totalitarian government, 
Power to the people pisses them off. They don't want the people to know that they possess the power. And you and the right and the rest of those people galvanized, mobilized, inspired, and woke the people up to their self-worth. And the government said in order to stop this, they're forcing our hand. It's like making somebody do something. Damn, we got to stop this. And in order to stop it, we got to get free programs. That's why they're coming back trying to take them down. They don't want nothing to do with that socialism. You see them trying to get rid of any communist socialist country they is. They don't want to get free health care. They don't want to get free food, free education, free clothing. You know, they don't want any of that for free. But Huey twisted their arm to stop the movement. They had to do that. So it was it was a pure genius. And like I said, we contribute to the um, – to the downplay of the legacy of the greats like UEP and everyone. Listen, we're coming on three minutes. Um, I can give you a minute if you wanted to close the statement. No, I'm good. I'm good. You just got, I'm just, my brain is thinking. So, uh, Man, I, I, I don't need to. <laughs> I'm good. Listen, thank, I, you, thank you so much. I always appreciate your contributions and love when you call in. Minister Light, my young female. Hey, man, I enjoyed the show. It was wonderful. I look for doing this. Tuesday with you again. We got a minute. We can give you a minute for a closing statement. You want to make a closing statement? Yeah, thank you, Brother Yanger. Um, I just want to say thank you for um, letting me come on the radio show. To everybody that's listening, don't forget there are a lot of problems in our community, but you are the solution. Look yourself in the mirror. You are the solution. Never stop creating. Always create. Black power. Right on. Like power. And for those in the New York area, I believe Minister Light, you out of the Bronx, right? Yeah, I'm in the Bronx. He's in the Bronx. Look him up in the Bronx. Check I chopped out in the Bronx up under the direction of the guy and the leadership of Minister Light. You've had a little taste of what the brother has to offer. These are all dynamic and wonderful things that we're talking about bringing to the party. I appreciate everyone for listening. I know it's not our scheduled time. We usually come on Tuesdays, but my central and namely on that central, my minister of law and justice, Dr. Justice, was pushing, saying, hey, as an exercise in consistency, we must be consistent, we must be consistent, we must be consistent. So we need to do a program this week. So that's why we're having it on Thursday. But look for us again on Tuesday. Come and check us out on Tuesday. And on Sundays, check out Sister Queen Mac on the um, on the Queen's program, I believe, at 7 o'clock, right, Queen? Is she still on? She's gone. Yes, he's gone. But check that program out, 7 o'clock on Sundays. You know, they have some tablet information. With that, I'll leave you as I greet you, which is all power to oppressed people, African power to an African people, and black power. All I need is one mic, one beat, one stage, one nigga front my face on the front page. Only if I had one gun, one girl, and one crib, one God to show me how to do things as sun did pure. Like a cup of virgin blood, mixed with 151, one sip will make a nigga flip. Writing names on my hollow tips, plotting shit, mad violence, who I'm gon' body this hood politics acknowledge it. Leave bodies chopped up in garbage, seeds watch us, grow up and try to follow us, police watch us, roll up and try knocking us. One
money I duck Could it be my time is up With my love I got up The cops shot again Bust stop glass burst A fiend drops a Heineken Ricocheting between the spots That I'm hiding in Blacking out I shoot back Fuck getting hit This is my hood I'm a rat To the death of it To everybody come on Little niggas is grown Hood rats Don't abortion your wound We need more warriors soon Sent from the stars Sun and the moon And it's like a police chase The street sweepers and coppers Sick up kids with no conscience Leaving victims with doctors If you really think you ready to die With nines out This is what nines about Niggas the time is down All I need is one mic, one mic, one mic, one mic. All I need is one mic, one mic, one mic. All I need, niggas. All I need is one mic, one mic, one mic, Yeah. All I need is one blunt, one page, and one pen, one prayer. Tell God, forgive me for one sin. Matter of fact, maybe more than one. Look back at all the hatred against me. Fuck all of them. Jesus died at age 33. That's 33 shots from twin glocks and 16 apiece. That's 32, which means one of my guns was holding 17. 27 hit your crew. Six went into you. Everybody gotta die sometime. Hope your funeral never get shot up. Bullets tear through the innocent. Nothing to spare. Niggas roll up. Shooting from wheelchairs. My heart is racing. Tasting revenge in the air. I let this shit slide for too many years. Too many times now I'm strapped with a couple of max. Too many nines. If y'all niggas really with me, get busy. Load up the semis. Do more than just hold it, explode the clip until you empty There's nothing in our way, they bust, we bust, they rush, we bust Let's fly and feel it, I feel it in my gut That we take these bitches to war